This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We did have reports of shots fired at Vancouver, Vancouver International Airport. Another fatal shooting and an extensive search for a suspect closing key routes in and out of Richmond. We have the latest, plus. There is no hierarchy of Aboriginal peoples. How the families of two missing and murdered women are connecting on this Mother's Day. And we'll have details on their show of support. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Dramatic moments a short while ago at Vancouver International Airport. A person lying on the ground outside the International Departures area, the victim of a shooting. Good evening and thanks for joining us. That marks the 10th shooting on the Lower Mainland in the last three weeks. This time, as you saw, at the Vancouver International Airport. Our Ahmad Agahi is joining us now from YVR with the latest. Ahmad, what can you tell us? Well, the information is coming in little by little, minute by minute. What I can do is describe the scene behind us. Uh, we are on the edge of about, you know, 400 feet of police tape and behind us an investigation underway in what appears to be uh, a crime scene right at the doors, the ends and the exit doors to the international departures here at YVR. There are multiple uh, police vehicles, a full investigation. Uh, there is a video from YVR within the last hour that we're showing here. A police focusing on a scene uh, right at the loop where passengers are dropped off for their flights. Uh, it should have been a very scary scene here. About a dozen or more orange pylons, evidence markers next to what appears to be shell casing and particular... ...of this uh, crime scene. So. The RCMP have a spokesperson that gave us some information earlier. We do know that there was a great deal of, of individuals around. There's also a mall nearby. Mm -hmm. If anyone saw anything, we're asking them to please contact police, particularly if they saw a suspect leaving the area, a vehicle description, anything that will allow us to move the investigation forward, that would be fantastic. So Ahmad, it sounds like quite an extensive search for the suspect or suspects. What were the ripple effects of this shooting to traffic across the Lower Mainland? Yeah, it was a hectic afternoon on the roads, Nithu. We heard from that RCMP spokesperson of an active search almost immediately after this situation that shut down major routes across uh, Metro Vancouver, bridges in and out of uh, Vancouver and Richmond. Uh, there were delays and uh, disruptions on the Canada-aligned SkyTrain station that comes to the airport. Uh, there were shutdowns on the Alex Fraser Bridge, the Queensboro Bridge. Uh, it was a situation, a ripple effects uh, felt all across the lower mainland. It's there was a, a wide response by police that we are uh, learning more and hearing more about uh, as the time continues here. And this is unfolding as we speak, Ahmad, so we'll continue to check in with you throughout the hour. Again, that's our Ahmad Agahi at YVR for us this evening. And a short time after the shooting at YVR, a burnt-out vehicle was found in Surrey. 
Cell phone video shows the vehicle in flames in a back alley around 3.30 this afternoon. Sirens could be heard and soon after Surrey fire crews were on the scene. Surrey RCMP officers were also seen inspecting the burnt out vehicle and collecting evidence. Torched vehicles are a hallmark of gang style shootings in Metro Vancouver, although there's no confirmation yet that this one is linked to the shots fired at the airport. And the Richmond shooting coming right after Metro Vancouver's ninth shooting in three weeks. Surveillance images providing a chilling picture of the shooter who was seen gunning down a 19-year-old man in Burnaby last night. Our Grace Key reports and a warning. The following story includes some disturbing content. You hear the five fatal shots in this dash cam video. The victim comes into view. He falls to the ground and then the shooter trips before running off. Seconds before the shooting, surveillance image also captures the victim in the gray sweatsuit with his friend leaving a vape shop with a clear image of the gunman right behind him. An instructor in the neighboring martial arts school describes the scene. I heard four gunshots uh, by the time I run out. There was a, a guy lying on the floor and people screaming. Right away, I noticed this guy was going to die. I had to run up and tell his friend to put some pressure on the womb. The fatal shooting happened at about 7 p.m. Saturday evening near 6th Street and 13th Avenue in Burnaby. The victim's friends and workers in nearby businesses rushed to the young man's aid. I called the police. Uh, according to other, some of my other neighbors called the police. Uh, and I just kept on holding his hand, squeezing his hand and keeping him alive. I don't know who the guy is. Where is the f there, man? Police say the victim is 19 years old and they believe this is a targeted shooting. The victim was rushed to hospital where he later died. Workers in the vape shop say they've never seen the young man before. They also described how surveillance video captured the shooter peeking around the corner waiting for the victim to leave the shop. On Sunday, investigators spent the day gathering evidence. They also appeared to be concentrating on the same area of the sidewalk where the gunman stumbled and fell down. No arrests have been made. The integrated homicide investigation team is also asking for witnesses and anyone with video to come forward. Grace Key, Global News. On this Mother's Day, the family of Trina Hunt sharing how their grief has connected them emotionally with another family dealing with their own loss. Trina's sister-in-law posting a heartfelt exchange between Trina's mother and the mother of Shailene Bell of Chilliwack, who's been missing since the end of January. The Facebook post shows flowers and a card sent by Shailene's mom and her gratitude to Trina's family for supporting efforts to find the missing mother of two. It says the mothers were able to connect, cry and lean on one one another. Hunt's family is looking to keep Trina's memory alive by donating to the Bell family, which is continuing to search for 23-year-old Shailene. There still haven't been any arrests made in the homicide investigation involving 48-year-old Trina Hunt. Surrey RCMP are investigating two suspicious early morning house fires. Just after 5 a.m., police say two homes erupted in flames near 126th Street and 76th Avenue. One house was under construction and vacant. The second home was evacuated and everyone managed to make it out safely. Several other homes were evacuated as a precaution. The fire's heat was so intense it appears it melted some nearby street signs. When I tried to come out, it was so much heat. Heat even affected like uh, our doors are... are be worked. 
and everything was inspected. And the police was banging on the doors and telling everybody to get out. And uh, right across the neighbor, a lot of people got uh, evacuated. They wanted everybody to get out of the house in case. BC's police watchdog is now investigating a multi-vehicle crash in Surrey. The crash happened Thursday at King George Boulevard and 128th Street. According to Metro Vancouver Transit Police, transit officers in an unmarked black Ford Explorer tried to get the driver of a black BMW SUV to stop. When the motorist reportedly did not stop, it was reported that the Ford with the officers in it pulled over and didn't follow. The BMW then collided with two other vehicles at the intersection. The male driver of the BMW allegedly ran from the scene but was later arrested. The Independent Investigations Office will determine what role, if any, police action or inaction may have played in the incident. And the IIO has also been called in after an officer-involved shooting on Vancouver Island. Just after 5 p.m. Saturday, Euclid RCMP were called to a disturbance at a home in the Port Albion community. The IIO says when officers entered the home, they found a woman with an unspecified weapon and she was shot. She and a male in the residence were both taken to hospital. Their conditions are not known. The New Chalneth Tribal Council has also been engaged. Well, a small group of protesters demanding greater rights for migrant workers who've been separated from their families far too long. Thousands and thousands of them who have been separated for a year and more. The group representing 1.6 million migrant workers in Canada who don't have permanent resident status. Their care aides, migrant farm workers and undocumented family support workers, among others. The group dropped petitions signed by some 18,000 people at Liberal Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan's office today. The federal government did open a path to permanent residency last month, but the protesters say the rules are too narrow to meet the needs of most people. I came here as a domestic worker in 1991, and then we've been working on the landed status upon arrival since then. And then before me, there were, there were domestic workers, care workers before me in the 70s. But still until now, the government is not giving us landed status. We are, the, the caregiving is permanent. How come it's not permanent residents? An Abbotsford woman who suffered life-altering injuries in a hit-and-run last year is facing a long road to recovery. Sharon Beckett, a mother of two, suffered a broken neck, back and bleeding on her brain when the driver of a grey Dodge Caravan struck her in the West Oaks Mall parking lot in September of 2020. The impact ruptured her eyes and the 59-year-old lost most of her vision. She's also completely deaf. One of Beckett's daughters was helping her recover at home before she suffered a stroke herself. Her other daughter has temporarily moved from Edmonton to help out. Most of the injuries have healed, like the broken bones and such. Um, but the trauma that she's been through will never, you know, She'll never be able to be like she was before. I want this person to know that if they would have stopped, things would be completely different. 77-year-old Joss Boulay, seen here in a composite sketch, has been charged with failing to remain at the scene of a collision involving bodily harm. He's due in court next month. All right, and coming up, we'll return to our top story and have the latest on the shooting near YVR+. Plus.
steps. It's just one more element of being human. A Surrey cemetery goes green. How cremations and sustainability are coming together to provide comfort to grieving families. And to be the person who inspires these girls to keep fighting for the dreams. A Langley star gets her shot. How her WNBA ambitions are coming to life. BCIT is apologizing tonight, but not answering questions after one of their employees reportedly sent an email expressing opinions hurtful to Métis Nation members. As Paul Johnson reports, Métis Nation BC says it received an anonymous letter last month containing the offensive email. I want to be very clear that there is no hierarchy of Aboriginal peoples. As CEO of Métis Nation, British Columbia. Welcome. Part of Daniel Fontaine's job is to educate people about the history and status of Métis people. He was surprised and disappointed to learn of the apparent views of a senior official at a major post-secondary institution. Given the fact that they're at the head of Indigenous initiatives, I think that's the most striking thing is that they should have known better. And they should have known that this would have been offensive to one-third of the entire Aboriginal population in British Columbia. Fontaine is talking about an email that appears to have been written by BCIT's Executive Director of Indigenous Initiatives and Partnerships, Corey Wilson. In the partial copy obtained by Global News, date and recipients unknown, Wilson appears to write, quote, having an Indigenous ancestor or relative does not an Indigenous person make. And of particular interest to us in B.C. is the recent Métis declaration that they are a nation within B.C. I can see jockeying for position, money, and voice for Indigenous people in B.C., end quote. I had thought that we had moved well beyond that in terms of a discussion around self-government and the rights of Métis people in British Columbia, but clearly we have not. Global News reached out to Corey Wilson Sunday, who told us no comment and referred us to BCIT's PR staff. They didn't respond to our questions. But a joint statement, apparently said to be released by both BCIT and Métis Nation, says BCIT apologizes for the email and that it's investigated and addressed the issue internally, though it doesn't elaborate on what steps they've taken, which is something Fontaine is demanding be public, if only to assure the Métis students who attend BCIT. When any Métis person reads the content of that email, I'm not sure they're going to feel welcome, and I'm not sure they're going to feel culturally safe in a post-secondary institution that has some of its senior staff working on the Indigenous file making those types of comments. Paul Johnson, Global News. Vancouver saw more anti-Asian hate crimes in 2020 than any other city in North America. That's according to a new report from the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at California State University, San Bernardino. In 2020, Vancouver police documented 98 anti-Asian hate crimes, an eight-fold increase from the year before, and triple the number recorded in New York, which logged more than any other American city, according to the study. Researchers suggest BC largest city has the grim distinction in part because it uses a more expansive definition of hate crime than in the U.S. Advocates say most incidents go unreported. And returning now to our top story, a fatal shooting at Vancouver International Airport. Our Ahmad Agahi is there and joins us now with the very latest. Ahmad, what can you tell us? 
Anithu, behind us is that crime scene and that investigation that is uh, taking place at the international departure. If you come to YVR, you're familiar with it. It's where passengers are dropped off to uh, get on to their, their flight. And it must have been a very scary situation. Uh, and we're, no, we're learning now it was a, it was a tragic situation. Uh, IHIT has updated us uh, not too long ago, and we do have confirmation there uh, that they have uh, deployed a team to YVR uh, where a man was shot and killed this afternoon afternoon again near the international departure terminal and there will be a media availability uh, later uh, this evening in Richmond. We've also now heard from the airport uh, a YVR tweeting that they can confirm the situation has been contained. Uh, the airport is open and it is safe. Uh, flights are operating and they too will uh, release more information as it becomes available. Information has been coming in uh, really minute by minute and hour by hour. This is video from earlier this afternoon at YVR where the investigation uh, certainly has picked up uh, the focus has been uh, around a, a white uh, sedan, and uh, there are uh, pylons on uh, the ground uh, next to what appears things where this shooting perhaps uh, may have taken place. You had heard earlier from uh, the RCMP of an active search. Uh, we have not heard anything about uh, a suspect, but uh, traffic delays earlier this afternoon that really uh, shut down or delayed major routes across Metro Vancouver, bridges in and out of uh, Richmond and uh, Vancouver, and perhaps uh, further on to Surrey and Delta may give you an idea that there may have been uh, some sort of search, some sort of pursuit happening uh, earlier this afternoon, which could still be happening. Again, update, we're expecting that a little bit later uh, this afternoon in Richmond. We'll, of course, Back continue to, to check in with you, Ahmad, and bring our viewers the latest as soon as we get it. Again, that's our Ahmad Agahi at YVR for us this evening. Thanks, Ahmad. And coming up, police arrest a preacher. Well, it looks like the police is catching us after the church service. Why two church service organizers were handcuffed in Calgary. Well, just as dozens attended a rally at Sunset Beach Park in Vancouver against COVID-19 restrictions last night, hundreds protested at a cafe in a hamlet 50 kilometers outside of Red Deer, Alberta. We're asking for your support. We're asking for your voices. We're asking you to show up and stand up. RCMP confirmed the organizer of the demonstration at the Whistle Stop Cafe was arrested and others were ticketed. In a statement, RCMP say its response during the event was to ensure people in attendance were aware of a court order issued on Thursday. The order defies illegal public gatherings. It also gives officers authority to arrest people who are organizing, attending or promoting these events. Well, it looks like the police is catching us after the church service in the middle of the road. They waited with AHS and here they are. And police in Calgary have arrested two church organizers who were in violation of public health orders. Artur and David Palowski are now charged with organizing an illegal in-person gathering, including inciting or inviting others to attend an illegal public gathering. In a video posted to Facebook, the pair could be seen being approached by officers and being told they were being arrested. Police say the pair acknowledged the injunction that was granted on Thursday, but chose to ignore requirements for social distancing, mask wearing, and they continued with the event. 
Racial tensions have been heightened amid the COVID-19 pandemic, but an alarming spike in racist interactions isn't limited to large urban centers. Advocates say there's also been a rise in racist rhetoric in the Okanagan. Now South Okanagan Immigrant and Community Services is fighting back, releasing a diversity and inclusion video to spark conversations and encourage tolerance and inclusion. Shelby Tom has more. My accent, my culture, my appearance. It's a powerful message fighting racism, discrimination and intolerance. I am your neighbor. I build your home and workplaces. South Okanagan Immigrant and Community Services, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting immigrants in their integration, released this video entitled, What Do You See? I am business owner. I create jobs. We do live in a diverse community um, and racism does exist here. So it was important for us to recognize it. The video sponsored by the Kelowna Chamber of Commerce. We are hearing, unfortunately, uh, cases where, where that is occurring. Um, and that's why it's important we felt as a business and by extension community leaders that we support initiatives like this. Penticton made provincial headlines recently when two Vancouver realtors said they've been targeted by anti-Asian hate after marketing this luxury $12.8 million Lakeview home in the city. And last summer, racist profanity was written on top of a pictograph on a large rock on the Asuyus Indian Band Reserve. And an Indo-Canadian family from Summerland was targeted by what police described as hate-motivated vandalism. There's Quite often this misconception that, that it doesn't exist here, that it's an issue for only larger urban communities or an issue to our neighbours in the south. I am Kamloops. I am Salmon Arm. The organization says the only way to break the persistent pattern of racism is to not stay silent. I hope that uh, it will spark conversations in our community. I hope that it will strengthen our community by having these conversations. I am Penticton. I am Oliver. Shelby Tom, Global News. Time for a break, but coming up, we'll return to our top story and the latest on that fatal shooting at Vancouver International Airport as we take a live look outside the Arthur Lang Bridge, one of the routes that was shut down following that incident. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Returning now to our top story, RCMP are at Vancouver International Airport tonight after the 10th shooting in Metro Vancouver in just three weeks. Our Ahmad Agahi is at the airport and joins us now again from Richmond with the latest. Ahmad, what do we know at this point? Well, Nithu, thank you so much. There are uh, anticipation that that is growing here for uh, more updates, more information from police on a situation that we've been uh, hearing about uh, all afternoon. We do have some 
information that came in via Twitter from IHIT, and I'll uh, present that to you now. That is uh, IHIT tweeting that it is uh, deployed uh, homicide investigators to the airport where a man was shot and killed this afternoon uh, near the international departure terminal, and, and media availability uh, will be uh, a little bit later uh, tonight in Richmond. We do also have new video from a different vantage point that we haven't showed you yet that shows uh, up to 68 evidence markers on the ground. You can see how much ground the investigators are attempting to cover here and uh, focus being uh, put around a, a white sedan and you can see some smashed glass at the uh, entrance to the uh, international departure uh, terminal. Again, we have not heard from the RCMP about a suspect. Uh, we are expecting more information uh, on that and more information on that uh, a significant police response we heard uh, about this afternoon spanning almost uh, the length of the western part of Metro Vancouver. Uh, so more information coming up a little bit later tonight. All right, we'll continue to keep our viewers posted. Ahmad Agahi for us at YVR this evening. Thanks so much, Ahmad. All right, it is 6.30 now. We're going to check in with meteorologist Yvonne Schell now for an update on the forecast on a very special day uh, to all the mothers out there. Uh, special Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Absolutely, and it was gorgeous out there. So happy Mother's Day to my mom, grandmother, and all the mothers out there uh, through the day today. A great shot that was captured in Qualicum Beach, and this one was taken by Dwayne, so thank you so much. Very fitting for the day today. It's gorgeous out there. We can overlook the North Shore Mountains on this tower cam, and temperatures are currently sitting at 14 degrees. It was a touch cooler today. The average for this time of the year sits closer to 16 degrees, and we'll start to see temperatures bump up in our long-range forecast, and we'll have the timeline coming up in just a moment. So to the airport today closer to 14 but a few spots in the interior with Revelstoke bumping up to 20 across the central interior. Prince George today getting up to 13. Now overnight tonight looks to be dry out there. We'll still have a few clouds in the mix. Temperatures will be down to 7 degrees and then as we get in towards tomorrow morning a few clouds and then more sunshine. It'll brighten up towards the afternoon and a range in temperatures tomorrow between 14 areas away from the water will be up to 18 degrees. Here's the nice break that we'd be anticipating for most areas along the south coast putting the few future cast into play as we get in towards tomorrow morning. We still do have a fair bit of cloud cover across the island that should break up towards the afternoon and the one area of concern through the afternoon tomorrow will be the southeastern corner. The Colombian Kootenai will have some instability so there's a chance of showers and the risk of thunderstorms and that'll start to dissipate. It'll clear out again on Tuesday with a much calmer day. Long range forecast looking pleasant. We've got a weak ridge that's going to build in across the region for the south coast. It looks to be dry. We could see some cloud cover midweek but still seeing dry conditions and that'll take us all the way in towards Friday so far. It's still a few days out but that's the long range forecast on the upper level chart. Now the northern half of the province temperatures will be up to 12 degrees. It's the extreme northeastern corner near Fort Nelson that could see the risk of thunderstorms. Central interior underneath the partly cloudy sky. It's the southeastern corners that will see that instability. Much of the Thompson Okanagan tomorrow underneath some sunshine and along the south coast we may still have more cloud cover in the early morning hours breaking out towards the afternoon with the mainly sunny sky and it's a pleasant looking five-day forecast areas away from the water tomorrow afternoon. Neithu will be up to 18 degrees. All right, Yvonne, thank you so much. Looks great. 
A Surrey cemetery is planting the seeds of sustainability with a growth initiative. Heritage Gardens opened in September of 2019 on the site of a former landscaping business. As a newer cemetery, it had a lot of open space. The family-owned and operated business decided to start a vegetable garden as a green venture and to make the cemetery more relatable for some families. Along with growing squash, broccolini, beans and peas, there's a pollinator meadow with six beehive colonies. Four are sponsored in memory of loved ones and the honey harvest is shared with families twice a year. We're not growing vegetables anywhere near where people are laid to rest, but we have a property here and the land is far too valuable in Metro Vancouver to let it go to waste. Having a larger, more sacred space that is using the earth and what it offers, you know, bringing back vegetables and other uh, nutrients that you would never see in a place that's dedicated for the dead. This doesn't feel like a cemetery. It feels more like a park or more like a garden. And uh, people feel more at home. All right, we are continuing to get minute-by-minute minute updates on our top story, the fatal shooting at YVR. Learning now from Richmond RCMP who have tweeted saying that they had intercepted a getaway vehicle, again, following the death of one man at a shooting near YVR, and that officers were shot at by the suspects. Luckily, they say no one else was hurt, but the suspects were able to get away, so we understand that a search continues. And IHIT, the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team, has confirmed it will be providing an update later this evening as well. We'll continue to keep you posted on this developing situation. Right now, though, we're going to take a short break. And coming up, we'll be talking about a movement for Asian lives. We'll hear from a local rally organizer on what's being done to stop the hate ahead of tomorrow's National Day of Action. Stay with us. We want to get BC moving. Move with us each day in May for the 2021 Workout to Conquer Cancer Benefiting BC Cancer Foundation. No matter where you are, we can all move to feel good and support cancer patients in BC. Monday is a national day of action against anti-Asian racism, but what's being done to actually stop the rising trend of hate? Well, Angela Leong with the Movement for Asian Lives is joining us now with more. Angela, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Milu. Of course. Now, you were among those who organized a rally in Vancouver against hate earlier this month, and you've said this growing movement is long overdue. Why is that? Well, we have long known that there has been racism in the history of BC. And right now with the pandemic, uh, people are really uh, having a lot of outward expression of their hatred and anger towards Asians. They really believe that uh, the Chinese had brought it over and they feel uh, justified in expressing some of this anger. Um, and we need to let people know that this, this uh, racism has always been there, but it's been hidden. How important is mental health awareness within the community and what are some of the barriers preventing people from seeking help? Well, I believe one of the barriers is that a lot of people have, a lot of Asians in particular, have a lot of pride in maintaining the sense of face, right? The sense of perfect outward appearance. And they don't like to air out their dirty laundry. And that needs to change. Um, people suffering alone often get themselves into a really dark place of uh, committing suicide and so forth. Um, that's one of the barriers. The other barrier is financial, and hence uh, that's why we have a GoFundMe that goes towards the Sol Solari Foundation. The Solari Foundation 
uh, that helps people kind of apply for a grant so that they can get the counseling that they need to work out any sort of uh, grief or trauma that they may have inside. And to highlight how deep-rooted and expansive this problem is, Bloomberg on Friday released an article calling Vancouver the anti-Asian hate crime capital of North America. Why do you think the problem is so bad here in particular? Well, we have quite a large uh, Asian population, particularly Chinese population here. We've been immigrating to this area since the building of the CPR railway. Um, and uh, a lot of them stayed here because they were not able to um, make enough money to go back home um, to, to China, where their family is. Um, so that was an early development of the, uh, the Chinese immigration being here. And with the recent immigration, recent wave, um, uh, a lot of people do, do blame the Chinese people for driving up real estate prices, which may not necessarily be. But as a Bloomberg article said, it's just not true, right? It only accounts for 1% of uh, all the, the entire market. The foreign buyers account for 1% of the, foreign, uh, the entire market. Um, I think those, that, those two combinations have led to it being possibly being worse here than other cities. Were you surprised to see that title, according to Bloomberg, that Vancouver is the North American capital of anti-Asian hate crime? How, how did that strike you? Um, when I first heard it, it actually was quite shocking for me as a Chinese Canadian to, to see that. It gave me thought. I, I was quite heartbroken to see that, that uh, there is so much hidden hatred. And it makes me worried for my family, worried for my clients and the, the Asian Canadians that are out there walking, walking the streets. I worry for what they might be going through. There is a lot of fear and anxiety, and this movement that you are a part of does seem to largely involve Asian residents, uh, referring to that event that was held again uh, earlier this month as one example. But how important is it for non-Asians to be taking part in this effort to combat what's being called a virus of hate? And how can our viewers watching right now who want to be a part of a positive change help? Well, they can help by sharing more with their friends, with their earnest experiences of um, maybe maybe they just didn't know, right? Or maybe they just were not aware and just being really honest about that and, and creating space for their Asian friends or Black and Indigenous friends um, to tell their story and to hold it gently, hold it with a lot of compassion and so that you can really learn about some of the lived experiences that Asians are going through or have been going through um, I believe that when we develop relationship and when we start to know and trust each other, um, we realize that we're all just human at the end of the day. And uh, it, it fosters a sense of compassion. And that compassion is a driver to change and wanting to do something and wanting to do more. With that call to action, Angela, we'll leave it there again. That is Angela Leong joining us this evening. Angela, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much.
And you can log on to movementforasianlives.org for more on their online campaign to document hate crimes in B.C. And Stand With Asians Coalition is organizing socially distanced rallies across the Lower Mainland as well as a nationwide e-rally on Zoom tomorrow afternoon to mark the National Day of Action against anti-Asian racism. And coming up, an anti-Asian racism message through music. They're picking on women and, and, and seniors. The local musician's motivation behind this Mother's Day material. Stay with us. This month, help support BC's kids. Join us and the BC Children's Hospital Foundation as we gene up to get kids out of their hospital gowns and back into their genes. Simply donate or fundraise online with your company or school and then show off your gene up spirit throughout the month. Join Crossroads Hospice Society's virtual hike for hospice. From now until June 5th, walk or run 5K anytime and anywhere to raise money for compassionate, quality care for people with life-limiting illness and grief support for the community. For our BC, I'm Michael Newman. If you want to know, it's on the house. If you want to show, it's on the house. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. All right, Barry's back for a look at sports and a sliver of hope that remains, Barry. Uh, maybe for you, <laughs> uh, not for everyone else. Thanks very much, Neither The uh, Canucks are still mathematically alive for playoffs, but realistically they are done. Seven games left. They would have to win all seven and hope Montreal loses their final two to Edmonton without gaining a point in overtime. The Canucks technically will still be playing games when the other teams start their playoffs. They have to finish off those games uh, a week and a half from now against the Flames while the rest of the NHL will begin the postseason. That won't be easy, playing meaningless games, especially after the success in the playoff bubble last year. Probably more for the veteran guys, the guys that played in the league a long time. Uh, they all want to play in the playoffs, and... When you get to that point when you know you're not, you know, it is difficult. You, you, you want to play in playoffs. And if those last games when they're starting playoffs, it will be different for our guys. But uh, you hope that they continue to be the leaders that you, that you want them to be. Uh, there's a certain standard of, of level of compete that our team wants to play that we've been pushing to do for really for a long time here, not just the, this season, but things that we've talked about for a long time. And then you've got other guys in the lineup that are getting great opportunity. Flames are also barely alive. They need to win their last five, including four against the Canucks, and then hope the Habs lose those two to Edmonton. They have to beat pesky Ottawa first tonight, and Sens have beaten them six of eight, but Johnny Gaudreau scoring from his pants. Great goal there. Style points for Johnny Hockey. one nothing Calgary after one, then just 17 seconds into the second. They get another. Michael Backlund from the sharp angle beats Anton Forsberg. 2 nothing Flames, now 4-1 Calgary after two. Medina Spirit battles on. Hot run Charlie on the outside. And Central Quality on the far outside. The four of them. Controversy today involving Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit, who could very well have his win taken away after a positive drug test was revealed. He attested positive for a steroid, double the legal threshold in Kentucky. He was uh, found in a post-race sample. The drug is an anti-inflammatory. Hall of Fame trainer Bob Baffert vehemently denies any wrongdoing. He says he doesn't know how Medina Spirit could have possibly tested positive. My veterinarian, nobody here, we, we, that matter of fact, Medina Spirit has never been treated with betamethasone. Yesterday, I got the biggest gut punch in racing for something that I didn't do. And, and this is really, it, it's disturbing. 
It's an injustice to the horse. Langley's Aislinn Koenig is on the verge of realizing a childhood dream. She's at the training camp of the WNBA's Washington Mystics, and she should find out in the next few days if she's made the final roster. When Aislinn Koenig did not hear her name called at the 2020 WNBA draft, it hit her hard. She was expecting to get a shot to play in the best pro women's league in the world. But sometimes taking the long road ends up being the best path taken. I think that it was really a blessing in disguise. And, you know, it was very sad in the moment, but sitting back on it, um, I don't think I would change it. I think I'm, I'm very happy with the chip on my shoulder a little bit and also all of the um, discoveries about basketball and about myself that I've been able to do in the last 12 months. For Koenig, it meant playing in Europe in the Swiss League, where she dominated, winning the scoring title, leading her team to an undefeated championship season, and finding a spark in her game that has led to this opportunity with the Washington Mystics of the WNBA. Koenig did score a couple of baskets in limited minutes in the team's first preseason game. Roster decisions will likely be made in the next few days, but make it or not, she knows young girls in Canada are watching. She's just one of four Canadians currently in the WNBA. To be able to be the person who inspires these girls to keep fighting for the dreams and make these dreams seem like they're attainable, that they're reachable, I have feel such a great responsibility for and am incredibly moved and honored that I get to be that person for a lot of young girls. Koenig also has her sights set on the Olympics. She's one of 20 players vying for a spot on Team Canada, so she could play in the WNBA and the Olympics in the space of a few months. It's nuts to be sitting here 11 years after starting to play basketball, having these dreams for the first time, telling my parents this is what I want to do and actually, um, you know, sitting here not at the end, but at a very large climax and, you know, getting to look back on all of that. And she said she should find out Thursday if she makes the team. EPL, Marcus Rashford and Man United taking on Aston Villa. If they win, they keep Man City's championship on ice and they get the goal here by Mason Greenwood to make it 2-1. And then they add insurance in the 87th. Edison Cavani, who came on as a substitute, heads it home. 3-1 the final. United solidifies its hold on second. They're now six points up on third place Chelsea. Formula One Spanish Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton starting from the pole for the hundredth time in his career, but he didn't hold the lead long. Max Verstappen and stepping on it, squeezes his way past Hamilton on the first lap. A brilliant maneuver from Verstappen, but pit strategy was a key. Hamilton had fresher tires late in the race, and he will zip past Verstappen with six laps to go. Cruises to his 98th career win, beats Verstappen by 16 seconds, extends his lead over the Red Bull driver to 14 points. Canadians Lance Stroll 11th, Nicholas Latifi 16th. Jason Astros playing the rubber match of their three-game set in Houston. Astros jumped out to a big lead, already up 4-0. Kyle Tucker increases the lead. A monster three-run home run to right into the upper deck. 7-0 Astros. Lots of fans in Houston. Jays do mount a comeback. Big blow was this two-run double to center by Bo Bichette. Marcus Semyon and uh, McGuire come around to score, but the Jays fall short. 7-4 Houston wins. 
Toronto 17 and 16 on the season. And final round of the Wells Fargo from Quail Hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina. Rory McIlroy won his first tournament here as a pro, also won in 2015, so he likes this place. Beautiful bunker shot here from Rory at the 15th would lead to a birdie. Got to 11 under, had a two-shot lead, but he made it interesting at 18 after his tee shot, found the penalty area, took a drop for a stroke, but hit a fantastic shot to the green. And he would two-putt that for the win. Gets the 19th victory of his career, first in 18 months, his third ever at Quail Hollow, and it's his first win as a dad, and he does it on Mother's Day. So a sweet moment with his family. Nick Taylor tied 26th at even par. Roger Sloan 58th at plus five. There you go. Beautiful indeed. Thanks so much, Barry. And after the break, the deeper meaning behind new Mother's Day music by a local band. We'll have that inspiring story after this break. Well, the pandemic has provided plenty of opportunity for bands and musicians to work on new material. Well, for one local group, they're releasing some new music on this Mother's Day that comes with a message. And as Jay Durant reports, the motivation and inspiration came to them very quickly. I get singers to play that Benny Hill song. <laughs> Most of the time, you'll catch Sean Wong laughing and joking around. That's just his personality. And you play the intro. <laughs> But things got serious recently. Sick of seeing anti-Asian hate in the community, especially towards women. They're coming after guys like me. You know what I mean? They're, not, they're, they're, like, they're picking on women and, and, and seniors. And that's what really bugs me about the whole thing. You know what I mean? Uh, it's so cowardly. So Sean and his band, Son of James, decided to do something about it. They wrote a song, a tribute to mothers and the great things they do, and they called on British Columbians to come together. I said, hey, please send me a picture of uh, either with you and your mom, men with their moms, uh, if you're a mom with your kids, and let's remind people what love looks like. Let's remind people what it feels like. Let's remind them what it sounds like. When the time has come. And it sounded great. The response was amazing. Photos from so many families from many different backgrounds. When the time has come, I will carry you. This is not the first time Son of James has taken a stand, releasing other songs about harmony and denouncing racism. But this one really hit home for the band. When I was shopping, grocery shopping with my mom, we've experienced some um, racism. Uh, racist remarks and my mom has always been the one that's kind of standing up for us. You know, hopefully this becomes a, a speed bump for a lot of people, you know, and that's all I can really hope for, you know, and th that just makes you think twice. Jay Durant, Global News. Great song, and it's a very catchy song, too. It is. Do you have any right. musical talents, Barry or Yvonne? Um, no. <laughs> There's a I long think Yvonne pause. does. I used to play the piano, but oh, not anymore. Yvonne, you look like you'd be a good tambourine player. <laughs> That's true. That's Maybe true. we'll start practicing with you guys. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, everybody. A happy Mother's Day to all the moms happy out moms there. Happy Mother's Day. Take good care of yourselves. We'll see you soon. <laughs>